Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory comes with the third and final installment of his life-changing series entitled Fasting Fuel. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. And I'm going to submit to you before we conclude part three today. I'm going to submit something to you today. If I told you that all of your life you've been looking for something in the wrong places. All of your life. And what you actually wanted was right in front of you. And it just hadn't been revealed to you. Would you believe me? Most of us don't understand that the way, reason why we act the way that we act is because something different hasn't been revealed to us. And I can't wait to get to it. So we're going to conclude today uh, with uh, part three of Fasting Fuel. Uh, so let's get right into it. Let's look at our intro. All of these notes are in the uh, Linked Up Church app as well as the Version Bible app. So I do encourage you to follow along. Uh, by introduction here, the, uh, our intro says that I believe fasting as it relates to prayer is the fuel that our Lord has given us to destroy the strongholds of evil and usher in a great revival and spiritual harvest within our personal lives. By definition, fasting is described as refraining from food for a spiritual purpose, not just dieting or starving. It's seen as a part of a key language here, normal relationship with God and can lead to a deeper and more intimate relationship with him. Fuel can be defined as something that gives nourishment like food, right? All of our natural bodies need fuel called food in order for it to operate properly. Would everyone agree with us with that? Right? Our bodies let us know when it's hungry, correct? So they're indicators, right? Our body will communicate to us that it's hungry and it needs fuel. And again, as I've said in the previous two weeks, I believe everything in the natural just mirrors the spiritual realm. It can also be defined as combustible matter used to maintain fire as coal, wood, oil, or gas in order to create heat or power. It also is an energy source for engines, power plants, and also reactors. And so I won't use all of these again, but again, if you grill, how many of you know you need charcoal if you're going to cook out on the grill? Right? How many of you know the charcoal by itself will not cook your food? You've got to add a little what to that charcoal? A little lighter fluid or fuel, right? right? Then when the fire starts going down, you need more charcoal and then you need more what? Lighter fuel, right? We know that for our fireplaces. We also know that for the vehicles that we drive, right? Our cars today are so sophisticated that they let us know when it's getting close. And if you have an electrical vehicle, it literally just counts the, the miles down, right? But our vehicles will tell us when that gas tank is getting low. Some vehicles, a red light will come on. Other vehicles, a yellow light will come on. Some vehicles, again, will tell you you have 30 miles left. How many of y'all are familiar with that, that process, right? And so that's an indicator to you that you need to what? Fill up. Is that accurate? And so let's read a story, and then I'll explain to you because I know this is sometimes sacrilegious to say something like this, but prayer by itself sometimes won't get what you need done in your life. 
right? Sometimes prayer is just not enough for some of the things that we face. And I'm going to show you a text today uh, that just highlights that. I'm going to read the whole thing because we're going to wind down. And I want to pull out something else that I saw in there. So fuel, again, can be defined as something that gives nourishment, food, etc. Let's read Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read 17 through 29 out of the Passion Translation. And it reads this way. It says, a man uh, spoke up out of the crowd. And he said, teacher, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute, unable to speak. Remember that because I'm going to come back to it. I brought him to you, Jesus. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down. And he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him, but they were not able to do it. So I want to be clear here. The man had an expectation that the people who had been with Jesus could get the job done. Right? He says to Jesus, but they could not do it. They were not able to do it. Verse 19, Jesus said to the crowd, now notice the man is talking to him, but Jesus turns his attention to the crowd. Because sometimes, how I many know one indicator could be an indicator to a larger problem? So sometimes one person can have a problem, but it's really the entire group. Right? And so as a pastor, I understand that. Sometimes when I see two, three four of the same situations, I know that's a smaller part of a larger issue. And so Jesus is addressing the larger issue. And he says here in verse 19, Jesus said to the crowd, why are you such a faithless? That word faithless means disbelieving and untrustworthy people. How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? So Jesus goes right to the problem, right? The problem is unbelief. Now, bring the boy to me. Verse 20 says, so they brought him to Jesus, and as soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So, again, I want to just encourage you all as we get closer to this fast that the moment you decide to do something for Jesus, Satan is going to act out. Everyone understands this, right? So when I'm, I'm literally giving you the playbook so that when it happens, you don't get up thrown all off guard. You're like, ah. And you should be an indicator that you're probably on the right track. Verse 21 says, Jesus turned to the Father and asked. He ignored all of the extra stuff, the divine distraction. And he said, how long has your son been tormented like this? The Father said, since childhood, he replied. So this is an indication that the boy has been in this condition for a long time. Right? And so where do I want to plug here? I want to plug something in. Sometimes things hang out in our lives too long. Watch this now. And then we just learn to live with it. As if it's a normal part of the way our lives are supposed to be. Right? And I want to just shake you up today. It's not normal to not live in the victory that God has provided for you. Right? So what's the indicator here? That if there's just been things hanging around in my life too long, I need to get serious about these, and I need to fast and really get some understanding. Watch this, because the curse causeless cannot come. So there's a foundation for what I'm dealing with. And I need that foundation to be revealed to me by God so that I can address it at its root. Everybody still with me out there? Okay, let's keep going. 
I'm going to draw something else out. So stay, stay with me. I pray. I know you heard it before, but, some, but maybe you haven't heard it before. Did you all catch that? Watch this. I know I read it before, but, but you notice every time I read it, I get something different out of it. Right? So watch this. Verse 21. So Jesus turns to the father and says, how long has your son been terminated? The father says, since childhood. He replies. So, so the, ind- the indication here is that it's, this boy's been dealing with this for a long time. It tries over and over again to kill him by throwing him into the fire or into the water. Now, I want to say something here, not meant to, to really scare, but to inform. Uh, Satan's agenda is always the same. He's not ever coming to hang around just to hang around. His assignment is to kill, steal, and destroy. The longer you let him hang around, eventually he's going to get to that objective. Everybody listening to me. That's not meant to scare. That's simply meant to inform. Poverty did not come from God. Living paycheck to paycheck does not come from God. Because diabetes runs in your family, when you got born again, how many know you got a blood infusion called the blood of Jesus? So just because it ran in your family doesn't mean it has to run through you. Come on, somebody. Somebody can stand up and say that stops right here at this generation, and it will not even pass through to my children. Right? And so I just want you all to be clear. If there are indicators in your life that didn't come from God, Satan is not there to be your friend. So clearly, this ultimate goal of this demon was to kill this boy. So verse 22 says here, it tries over and over again to kill him by throwing him into the fire and the water. But please, if you're able, if you're able, now we can see what the father's problem was. If you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus, uh, he didn't like that. Jesus said, what do you mean, if? Now, I want to highlight that again because you cannot go into this fast. If you are able, God, if it be your will. Come on, somebody. So I'm giving you all of this on the front end so that you can go in knowing exactly what you want to happen and go right at it. Everybody clear in here. We're not going in with no ifs. We're going in to take care of business and handle business and get these demons and all this lack. Come on, somebody, and this sickness and this disease out of our lives. Watch this now. In order for you to go at it, you have to know what it is. Let's keep traveling. So if you're able, see, Jesus flipped it on him. He says, no, if you're able to believe, then all things are possible to the believer. Somebody say all things are possible. possible. Pastor, you don't understand how long I've been dealing with this. I don't need to understand. I just need to believe that all things are possible. Come on, I need five people in here to catch that. You don't understand, Pastor. My, my family's been dealing with this for a long time. I didn't ask you how long your family's been dealing with this. I'm asking you to believe what God said about what you've been dealing with. And I need you to declare that in my life and in my house and according to, to my family, all things are possible. I can be debt-free. Come on, somebody. I can have a good marriage. Come on, I can raise godly children. I can build a business. Come on, somebody. I can walk in victory over cigarettes, over alcohol, over the opposite sex, over the same sex. All things are possible. And I need you to believe that. So all things are possible to the believer, right? 
So verse 24, so when he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears saying, I do believe, Lord, help my unbelief or my little faith. Now, when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, now this is the other point I want to insert here. He didn't pray. When we get to the back of this message, you'll understand what I'm saying. He didn't pray. This point he commanded. Why? Because he knew the boy had, the demon had no right to be in the boy's life. You'll catch that in a moment. There's certain things that don't have a right legally because of who you are in Christ Jesus to live in your body. Oh, somebody's going to catch this. There are just certain things that just don't have. Satan doesn't have a right to mess with your kids. He doesn't have a right to do that. So we can't just sit around and say, oh, well, no, it's no oh, well here. We're going right at this, and we're going to do some commanding. Come on, somebody. All right. So now, watch this now. You still with me out there? So when Jesus saw that the crowd uh, was quickly growing larger, now, because the crowd is growing larger because they want to see a fight. Right? How many of y'all grew up in school and when that circle formed? Something was happening, right? Right? Like everybody ran to that circle. Once that circle formed, inside that circle, something was getting ready to go down. Anybody that come from those kind of environments right there? So I'm like, you be minding your own business. You see that crowd and that circle form, everybody want to run over there to see. So everybody's coming to see what is Jesus going to do with this demon. How many of y'all know, folks, the world is waiting to see the power of God on our lives to Come on, somebody. He's, the world is waiting to see that, right? So this crowd begins to quickly form, right? And, and then Jesus commands the demon to come out of him, and he speaks directly to it, which is everything that I said previously. Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger. He commanded the demon, saying, deaf and mute spirit. So he called it by name. You can't speak to what you don't know. It has you in bondage. So if it has a name, we're getting ready to take 21 days to get it out of your life. Oh, my God. See, I can, I can tell when I just said that, right? I said we're getting ready to focus. And stuff that we've been dealing with for years, getting ready to stop in 2024. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about stuff we've been struggling with for years. That stuff getting ready to be over in 2024. But watch this now. Jesus said, never enter into him again. He commanded him to come out, never enter in again. The demon shrieked through the boy into terrible seizures till it finally came out. So sometimes when you command something, it'll get worse before it gets better because the enemy doesn't want to let go of that territory he's been holding on to in your life. So the demon shrieked through the boy on the ground. Seizures finally came out of him and the boy lay there looking like a corpse. Everyone thought he was dead. But Jesus stooped down, gently took the hand, raised him up by the feet, stood uh, there completely set free. 
Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private. This is a very good question. They said, Jesus, talk to me. Holler at your boy. Why couldn't we cast out that demon? That's a good question, right? Right? So now this tells you you can be with Jesus and don't have what you need to get rid of the stuff in your life. You say, Pastor, I heard all this. The reason I'm taking my time today is because I'm saying the same thing to you different ways. If it's been hanging around for years, that's a question you should be asking too. Jesus, how come I haven't, why am I still dealing with this? He answered them and said, this type of powerful spirit can only be casted out by prayer and fasting. So what did he really say, Minister Russell? He said, fellas, you need to add a little fuel to your prayers because praying by itself is not enough for what you've been dealing with. Now, when we get to the end of this, you're going to see if you just don't eat food, you're not going to get anything out of this but hunger pains. But if you really use fasting for what it's designed to do, you're going to get specific instructions about what to do about that situation in your life. Watch this. I'm going to prove that to you today. You all ready to travel a little bit? Let's go back through. All of this is just quick review. Step number one, you've got to have an objective, right? Why are you fasting, right? Is it for spiritual revival? Is it guidance? Is it, is it for healing? Is it for a resolution of some problems in your life? Whatever it is, at least just know why you're fasting. So have an objective. Don't just say, I'm fasting for 21 days. Why are you fasting for 21 days? And be specific, right? Uh, and we set a lot of things up underneath that. Step number two, you've got to be committed, right? Don't sign up and not show up. I don't respect people like that. Don't sign up and don't show up. If you sign up, then show up. Once you put your pen to paper and say, I am committing to do this for the next 21 days, come hell or high water, nothing is stopping me from being committed to what I signed up to do. So be committed, right? Make the decision on the front end that you're going to commit to it, right? And then organize yourself. How long will you fast? Is it going to be one meal a day? Is it going to be uh, however you're going to do it, several weeks, four, whatever you're going to do, decide every single day what each day looks like. What type of fast? Is it going to be water? Is it going to be, am I going to remove all meat? Is it going to be no bread? Is it going to be no sugar? But be specific and committed to that on the front end. What physical, social activities will I restrict? I mean, no, social media is good, but it's not going to help your spiritual life. Right? And so decide, what things am I going to restrict? Right? How much time each day? I think this is one of the most important ones. How much time each day will you devote to prayer and God's Word? Decide that on the front end. 15 minutes in the Word, 15 minutes in prayer. Five minutes in the Word, five minutes in prayer. 30 minutes in the Word, 30 minutes in prayer. But whatever it is, commit to it and start where you are. If you've never done 30 minutes, start with 10. Because little successes will lead to bigger successes. And if I know God, after spending 10 minutes with him, you'll start saying, that is just not long enough. And before you know it, 30 minutes will go by, okay? And then step number three. Step number three uh, is equally as important. Step number three. 
Step number two is be committed. Step number three, prepare yourself spiritually, right? We talked a lot about that, so I'm going to go around that. But how many know all of us have stuff in our life we need to focus in on during this fast? When I say stuff, I'm talking about sin. How many know we all have areas we can work on? Let me try this side of the room. I said, how many of y'all know we all have areas we can work on? So let's not act like we don't, right? From the pulpit all the way to the parking lot, we all have stuff we can work on. We all need to forgive people, right? And we all need to go to the people that we've done wrong, right, and, and, do, and make some things right. Now, step four, prepare yourself physically, right? We talked about that. Just know that your body is going to act out. It does not like not eating, but you'll be okay. So just when it acts out, drink more liquids and pray more. When your body acts out, believe it or not, it really wants more spiritual things, right? And so you'll find if you'll pray more, man does not live by bread alone. If you'll spend more time in prayer, it'll taste like some beef ribs. You can tell I love beef ribs, right? Or whatever your favorite dish is, prayer will begin to taste like that to your soul. And it'll fill up that hunger pain, right? Drink more liquids, right? But just be prepared for your body to act out. And then we left off with step number five. Put yourself on a schedule or plan. Remember, it is God working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. So whatever you sign up, whatever you check, that was God working in you. That was him giving you the desire to do that. For some people, you just got to focus more on your health, right? You got to focus more on exercise. You got to focus more on the things that you can control, right? Control what you can control and take these 21 days to create a new lifestyle. It's so good for you, right? So I know for me, it's every year I just try to get a little better. So last year, my goal was to not put the weight back on. How I many know we could come off the fast 15 pounds, and then one week later, 25 pounds came back? <laughs> Anybody here know what I'm talking about? So my, my goal this year was just to maintain. And I did that all the way up until November, I think, right before our anniversary. But as soon as we got back from vacation, I got right back on the, on the program, right? Because what I want to be, I want to start this fast with where I left off last year. So now I can get to my optimum weight, which is about 175, 180. I'm about 185 as I look at you right now. I'll naturally lose 10 to 15 pounds during the fast. Then this year, what I want to do is stay there because my doctor tells me I increase my life expectancy by 15 years by just keeping a 12-inch separation between my shoulders and my waist. And that gut health is the best, that is what you need to focus on. And so I look at belly fat like the devil. And then my doctor said, that, that you will never need all that stuff that people are paying billions of dollars for if you'll just manage the belly fat. Because he said that's a blood flow issue. And so if you just manage the belly flat, you won't need Cialis and Viagra. And that right there was enough for me to say. Come on, somebody. 
That, that was enough for me to say, well, what do we need to do? Hey, okay, we're going to keep that belly fat down. Because you basically have people in life saying, now the, the, and the medicine doesn't hide it from you, right? They say, if you take this, you might go blind. Come on, you might, you might have a heart attack. Come on, say, if you're experiencing seizures or something, and, and guys are still saying, that's all right, though, boy. For two hours, I'll take it. I'll go blind. For, just give me two hours. That's so stupid to me. <laughs> And this is a billion-dollar industry when all we had to do was cardiovascular exercise, watch our diets, keep the sugar down, hello, somebody, and manage the belly fat. Man, I just feel like, what? come on, everybody, we okay in here with... Group hug, group hug. Nobody said I received that. Nobody said that's good, Pastor. Nobody said thank you, Jesus. Nobody. I didn't get any encouragement. I'm I told you what my doctor told me. That was for me. And so my goal is to just keep that belly fat at bay. Everybody say I curse all belly fat. I take authority over it right now. Leave this body. Through my exercise, proper dieting, proper amount of rest, vitamin C, sunlight, lowering the stress in my life, walking in forgiveness, I can maintain a healthy waist size. Oh, I felt that. Oh, come on. I felt that. Come on, somebody. Mm. Oh, I felt that right there. Did anybody else feel that in the room? And listen to me, folks. I'm having fun with it, but you have to attack it the way it attacks you. It has a voice late at night. Cookies. Cookies. Anybody ever heard that voice late at night? Ice cream, french fries, McDonald's, stays up late, open late. Uh, Maybe I'm the only one, but I know the moment I decide I want to go right, my body is like, boy, not right now, start tomorrow. Anybody ever been there before? I'm just going to do one more day and I'll start tomorrow, right? Tomorrow comes and then you say what? Ah, let me just get one more in and then I, I want to start on a clean week, right? So I'll start on Sunday. Everybody here know what I'm talking about, right? So you got to attack these things, right? Gut health is so important to your overall health. That's where your intestinal tract is. That's where your immune system. Come on, somebody. So we got to attack it. I want to have one of the most fit churches in the world. Come on, because the next place we go, we're going to have our own gymnasium, and it's not just to play basketball. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about whether we build it or whether we buy it. We're going to have one. And the purpose of it is for exercise. We're going to have a playground, and we're going to put a track around the playground. Come on, somebody, so you can come up here and and go on your prayer walks around that track. And then we're going to put some exercise equipment along the walkway so you can stop and get you some curls in. Come on, somebody. 
get you some chest presses in. Come on, somebody, right? And we got to focus on health. The body of Christ has spent too much time trying to get healed instead of focusing on health. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere with that. We'd rather have somebody lay hands on us. Come on, somebody. Than to put the work in to walk in health. And sometimes you can't just live from miracle to miracle. At some point you got to get over in the blessing. And the blessing is called health. Now, don't get offended, but I don't ever want to know God as a healer. Not one day in my life. I want to accept the fact that he healed me over 2,000 years ago and live in divine health all the days of my life. All right? Step number six, end your fast gradually. Now, depending on what type of fast you choose, just begin eating gradually, right? Don't just rush back in. A lot of us, like if it ends, like if I say on that Sunday the 28th, it's over. You go straight to the buffet. Not this year. I want you to think about coming up with a plan when you come out to change your lifestyle. Because you're wasted 21 days if you're just going to go back to what you were prior to that. So I want you to come out gradually, right? Really plan. I want you to plan the end of it as much as you're planning the beginning of it. You know, if you haven't been eating a lot of solid foods, don't rush those back into your diet. Don't subtly reintroduce that, right? Or your stomach and digestive, digestive tract will likely have a negative, sometimes even dangerous consequences. So try several smaller meals or snacks each day. Now, doing that will help shrink your stomach size. See, a lot of times we still eat like we play sports, like we're still athletes in college, and we're 50-something years old. Not exercising the way, but, but, but we still take large portions. So, so what I want you to do is start thinking about is smaller portions throughout the course of your day. So instead of three big ones, six smaller ones. What, what fasting always teaches me is that I don't need as much food as I eat. It teaches me that every time. Anybody else ever learn that? Anybody else learn that lesson? Right? And so I love it. I heard Kenneth Copeland say it this way. Most people live to eat. What you've got to train yourself to do is eat to live. And think about it this way. The more living food I eat, the more life it gives me. The more dead food I eat. So try to get to a place where, you know, 60, 70, 50, 60, 70, 80% of my diet is alive. This is not going over too well today. <laughs> Let me hurry up and get out of this, boy, because this is a tough crowd today, boy. We okay out there? Yeah. Music department, come on back out here and lift this room. I need the room lifted right now. Are right, you all still with me out there? And so then I learned that when my stomach strength shrinks, the worst thing I can do is swell it back up again. So if I'll just stay in terms of my diet to the level that my stomach has shrunk to, I can actually keep that weight off. Here's something else I want to tell you all. I'm giving you some good, good things here, and so don't get offended with me. 
but you need to get on the scale daily. No, that's the devil. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. If you go to a gym, I know, ladies, I know you all don't like that. The scale is not the truth. No, the scale is the truth. It's more about how I feel. But what about your goal? Well, I'll use my clothes to let me know. How many of y'all know clothes stretch? Come on, come on, ladies. I'm having fun. It's okay. Let's laugh. It's okay to laugh in church. Why do they do that? So, so believe it or not, if you go to a trainer or a nutritionist, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to put you on the scale. Then what's the next thing they're going to do? They're going to check. They're going to measure you. And they want to know your numbers. Then they have to craft a program to help you reach your goal. Then they're going to tell you to come back to them with a number. <laughs> to see if you've been doing on your own what they prescribe for you to do. And you can't get on there the next week. I don't know how that happened. You know exactly how that happened, right? Right? And so, so what, why am I saying that, folks? Because to, for me to maintain, I got to know what I did that day that put those two pounds on. And I've got to correct that the next day. So I've got to replace a day with a day. Because how I many know moderation? We've got to enjoy ourselves, right? But we need to know how to enjoy ourselves, right? And so when we do, we've got to use that next day and be real specific and strategic about it. And try to replace that bad day with a good day. So that scale tells me I'm up. You know, when we came back from the trip, I told him I'm up four pounds. When we came back from the cruise, I said I'm up four pounds. I've got to go at that. And so this week, I don't want any of this kind of stuff. I only want this. All right. Make sense? When's the last time? How many of y'all haven't been on the scale in a long time? Raise your hand if you haven't. It's okay. All right. So, so, so we're going to buy scales for Christmas this year. Some of your loved ones saw your hand go up. We're buying scales. Somebody say scales are a good thing. They just tell me where I'm at. So don't be afraid of them, okay? And they'll empower you because watch this. When you look at it one day and it went the other way, it empowers you. It's something. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? It's something about when you look at it, you stand there, and it's, it went the other way. And I'm down three pounds. I'm so encouraged. Can I just say one more thing? You can exercise for six weeks and not see any change. And if you're lifting, you're building muscle. So you might see a little gain. See, so then you want to begin to see if I am I losing inches. I might be building muscle, right? But I'm losing inches. How I many know oh, that's still a good thing? Because the muscle weighs more than the fat. Typically, it takes about six weeks for transformation to take place. So it might be happening on the inside before it shows up on the outside or on a scale. That's why we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. See, even though I don't see it, I know it's coming. I know one day I'm going to get on this scale and it's going to look and be heading in the direction that I wanted to go in. All right, let's close right here with step number seven. 
Expect results. Are you all getting anything out of this today? You all still glad you came to church today? Anybody mad at me? You all still love me? Group hug. Everybody just put your arms around. I need to feel some love in this place right now. All right. So for some of you all, I'm challenging you. I'm being a good coach. You need to set a weight goal for the 21 days. Where are you when you started? And where do you want to be when you end? And then chart your course. See that? No amens. Did you all see that? <laughs> Nobody. That's good, pastor. That's for me. No, not one person. Thank you. I got one over there. Thank you. All right. Let's look at Let's close right here. Expect results. Step number seven, expect results. So if you sincerely humble yourself before the Lord, watch this, repent, pray, and seek God's face. If you'll consistently meditate on his word, you will experience a heightened awareness of his presence. Right? Why is that so important? Let's read John chapter 14, verse 21, out of the Passion Translation. There's something about knowing God is with me that gives me confidence. Look at John chapter 14, verse 21. Passion Translation says, those who truly love me are those who what? So those who truly love me are those who what? So then is it possible to love someone but not truly love them? Why did he use the word truly? So that means if I love you, I can love you, but I might not be loving you the way you need to be loved. Do you all see that? So he put the word truly in there because he's showing you that the way God defines love is if you truly love me, then you're going to obey my commands. And whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father. And listen to what Jesus said. And I will passionately love him in return. And I will reveal myself to him. Now, I don't know about you all. If you, if you understand what I just said, if, if Jesus reveals himself to you, now you know something that you didn't know before in a particular area of your life. And so a lot of times, wherever there's darkness is because the light of the word hasn't, been, hasn't shown up in that area. Right? And so you see what he said here? If you truly love me, I'm going to pass. My father's going to passionately love you. I'm going to passionately love you. But then I'm going to reveal myself to you. Let's, let's develop that a little bit more. What is he saying here? So the Lord then will give you fresh, new spiritual insights. Your confidence and faith in God will be strengthened. Watch this. You will feel mentally, spiritually, and physically refreshed. And you'll see answers to your prayers. Come on, somebody ought to, yeah, that's a good place right there. So letter A up underneath that, I want you to expect to receive revelation knowledge. And I'm going to share with you what I mean by that. A lot of people want to get a word from another individual. You really don't want a word from your favorite speaker. You want a word from God. Did you all hear the difference? So a lot of us, we're chasing, you know, streams and this speaker and that. And, and at the end of the day, what you really want to hear from is God himself. And so watch this. Expect to receive revelation knowledge. Isaiah 58 and 8 out of the New King James Version. Watch what it promises you here, right? If you read the whole text here, God says, is not this the fast that I've chosen? 
right? Because the fast that people had been doing was for their own benefit and for their own pleasure. It was not to please God. People were fasting to please themselves and to impress people. So God said, is this not the fast that I've chosen, right? And most of that is to draw closer to him, to break the yoke of bondages off of our lives, to deal our bread to the hungry and help those that are less fortunate. But he also promises this in verse 8. He says, then your light shall break forth like the morning. You know what that is? That's called revelation knowledge. That means there was an area of your life where there was darkness, and God said, through your fasting, I'm going to cause light to break forth in that area of your life. That's called you had an aha moment where you now, where you didn't know what to do, you now know what to do. He says that your light shall break forth like the morning. And you're healing. If you think about that, you know, when we lived in Florida, you just could not sleep past 6 o'clock because that light would break through that. I mean, you could have room darkening shades up. And, and that sun would come up so bright that some of that light would still get into your room and it would just wake you up. This is what God is talking about. It's like you just couldn't figure out how to get debt free in this area of your life. You couldn't figure out how to get this sickness or disease, and that light is just going to break forth in that area of your life. You're going to have an aha moment, and you're going to know how to do it. Folks, that is far greater than you chasing after somebody praying for you, laying hands on you, because when God sets you free and you actually know how to do it, you will be free indeed. The only reason you haven't done it is because you don't know how to do it. But when God light, when that light shines in there and now you know how to do it, nobody can ever take that away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. See, I want to give you an example of that. They took, 10 years ago, they took everything away from us. But we had enough revelation knowledge to know how to get it back. And not only did we get it back, we got it back far greater than what they gave us. Come on, somebody. See, see, when we left that situation, it was debt-free. And today, folks, this church owes no man nothing but the love of it. Come on, if you're sitting on it, we own it. Come on, somebody. If you're walking on it, we own it. We are owners today. Well, how many of y'all know Joe Gregory is not smart enough by himself to do something like that? But with the revelation knowledge from God's word and light shining in an area where, I, where there was darkness, God can show me how to do it. And watch this. Once you do it one time, it's repeatable. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm talking about once you learn how to walk in divine health, it's repeatable. You just keep doing it over and over and over. Once you get free, then God will teach you how to get somebody else free. Revelation knowledge. Let's keep reading here, right? It'll spring forth. It says, your healing shall spring forth speedily. I prophesy that somebody's going to get enough revelation knowledge about the sickness and disease that you have been dealing with, and your healing is going to manifest speedily in Jesus' name. I'm talking about while you're praying, while you're fasting, you're going to know what to do, who to go see, and how to do it, and your healing is going to manifest suddenly. I'm talking about one day you're going to feel pain, and the next day you're going to walk around like there has never been any pain in your life. Come on, all things are possible to him that believes. The only reason you are in sickness, in pain, in disease is because you don't know. And your righteousness shall go before you. 
and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Do you, can you, do you understand what that just promised you? That's like the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. You realize God is talking about he's going to come up behind you and protect you from all hurt, harm, and danger. Come on, if I can give you a picture of that, God wants you so focused forward that he's saying, I got your backside. Don't worry about anything behind you. You just keep going forward and keep doing what I told you to do the way I told you to do it. I'm telling somebody in here right now, there's some good things coming for you. And there's some things in your life that you've been believing for. You will see it with your natural eye because God's going to reveal it to you. And you're going to know how to do it. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, don't look at her like, why is she running around? Some of you, she got a revelation about what God's getting ready to do in her life. Can I show you one more and then I'm going to let you go. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Somebody say, the only reason I'm not walking in it, say that. The only reason I'm not walking in it is because I don't know how to do it. But guess what? I'm getting ready to press in until it's revealed to me on how to do it and then watch me do it. See, see, they took everything from us. They couldn't take the revelation knowledge though. Which means I can do it again and again because this not the last time. This just the first time. Oh, I need somebody to get excited with me. I'm talking about owning everything. I'm talking about you, you can't get through Powder Springs without having to talk to Linked Up Church. Because they own everything in this city. Come on, y'all thinking too big. Come on, I need somebody to dream big with me out there. Come on, I need somebody to dream big. They're helping, they're helping so many people. Because God's showing them how to do it. Look at this Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13 says, when Jesus came, passing translation, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, it's not in your notes now, so you want to write this down, because this right here was what we needed to get to today. This is extra. This is bonus, right? Look what he says. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me? The son of man. Who do they believe I am? See, that's the issue at the end of the day. What are you saying about him? And who do you believe he is in your life? That's an important question because that's going to demonstrate to you why you have what you have or why you don't have what you don't have. It's all connected to who you're saying he is and what you believe about him. Can you handle that? See, look, who are the people saying that I am? But see, he's going to turn this question. They answer some. See, they don't know. Some are convinced that you're John the baptizer. Others say you're Elijah, reincarnate, reincarnated. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But hold on, fellas. Who do you all say that I am? Because you are the ones that are supposed to have been with me. Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, listen to this reply. You are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, 
for you didn't discover this on your own. But my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. So, so then watch this. Everybody else said he was Simon. He was John the baptizer. You know why they didn't know who he was? And it hadn't been revealed to him. You know, the only reason a person will live with sickness, it hasn't been revealed to him. That that's been removed from him. You know, the only reason somebody will continue to live in poverty is because it hasn't been revealed to them. You know, the only reason people will sleep with people that they're not married with, it hasn't been revealed to them how much harm and damage that that causes. So they just act that way because it hasn't been revealed that there's a better way. You know why people cheat on their spouses? They have no revelation knowledge about how much damage that's doing to them. That light is in my eye. I can't really see how you all are receiving it out there. Everybody still with me out there? The only reason people will do things that damage themselves is because it hasn't been revealed to them. So he said, Simon Peter, oh boy, you are favored and privileged because my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed this to you. And now because it's been revealed, watch this, there's naturally a what I would call a shift and an upgrade. He gets a name change. See, revelation knowledge will take you from where you are to where you want to be. See, because once you know, you can't go back to what you used to be. Come on, somebody. Come on, anybody ready to get elevated? See, you've been waiting on somebody to pray for you. No, I'm telling you, there's something higher than that. You really want God to reveal to you what's going on in your life. Some of y'all have been waiting on the next healing service. Well, see, that, that might not come during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, but healing can come to your house tonight because Jesus said, I will personally come and reveal myself to him. See, we've been waiting on people when we should have been pursuing God. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen, right? So we want the next great evangelist, the next great this, the next great that. But what about the great God that we serve? Because he's greater than all of them. So Jesus replied, you're favored, you're privileged, right? You didn't discover this on your own. This was supernaturally revealed to you. Now I'm going to upgrade you. Your name will be Peter, a stone. And he said, on this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. We're not talking about a building here. We're talking about people. Watch this. And the power of death will not be able to overcome it. See, we don't really know who we are. I curse premature death. I said I curse premature death. And I declare that every faithful person to the Lord Jesus Christ will live out their days on this earth as they do their part. Come on, somebody ought to get in that line right there. 70 is too early. 
Listen, folks, I'm trying to give you a shift. 80 is too early. You're not old at 80. You just learned something. Old enough to have a little money saved up. Come on, somebody. But still young enough to know what to do with it at 80. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here, right? So we don't want to think that way. He said, I want to build my church, the legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overcome it. Watch this, Peter, and I'm going to give you the keys of heaven's kingdom. Ram, watch this, to forbid, not pray, on earth that which is forbidden in heaven. I want to question, is there any sickness in heaven? Any poverty in heaven? So you see what he said to Peter? If it's not there, it shouldn't be here. Let's all stand to our feet. I just got to let you go. Say, whatever you forbid. See, get them, God. Get them, God. No, you get them. He didn't say whatever I forbid for you. He said whatever you forbid. See, now we're going right back to authority, right? See, do you know what's supposed to be in your life and what's not supposed to be in your life? He says, I'm going to give you these keys. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. All right? And so I want to encourage everyone in this room. One single fast is not going to change your life for the rest of your life. I want to challenge this room to make fasting a lifestyle. Where you pick one day a week, one day a month, right? And you just set aside time to press in about your life. There are areas of your life that are not changing. I want you to always remember this message and remind yourself that I might need to add some fuel to my prayers by fasting. I want to encourage you all to join us on this Connect 21 journey next year. I know by faith there's some things that I'll release into the atmosphere that your life will never, ever be the same. How many of y'all are ready to go on this journey? All right, let's just lift our hands to the Father. Let's begin to worship him right where you are. Father, you've given us the, the game plan. You've given us the blueprint, Father. You already gave us the answers to the test before the test even showed up, Father. Now, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone watching online, Father, that they will discipline themselves, Father, to walk out everything that they commit before you, Father. And my prayer is that not one person will fail in their commitments, Father, and that you'll show up and you'll show up mightily in their lives. As they draw closer to you, you're going to draw closer to them. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died 
rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.